What is up team? Welcome back to the show. It is Q&A time. Let's go ahead and get right into today's questions. First question we have, um, when is the best time of day for training in terms of recovery? Morning or night before bed to allow the muscles to rest? Or would it be better to split it? All right, so there's a couple things to consider as far as timing of your training goes. First and foremost, the thing we want to understand is it really doesn't matter that much. When we're talking about training timing across the day, like um, I would always tell a client, do it at the time where it's easiest for you to adhere with, right? Like first and foremost, that's what we want to focus on. Now, that said, when we're looking at the research that we have on this topic, um, most things do seem to give the afternoon a slight edge. So there has been some research that shows that between 2 p.m. and 6 p.m. is when our body temperature is the highest. Now, typically before we train, we want to bring our body temperature up slightly anyways. So basically, we're just going to be in a slightly better position to be able to perform and get the most out of the training session. Now, from there, um, there is... Now, again, I don't want anyone listening to this to like get too concerned if like, hey, it just works way better for me to train in the morning and I am relatively active at my job and that's just kind of where the cards have fallen. That's okay. Don't stress this. Don't worry about it too much. But again, there could be, so for example, if we're training first thing in the morning and then we have a super, so like, let's say you train lower body and then you have an extremely active day, you're constantly moving um, for the next 12 hours, you're constantly on your feet that will make recovery just a little bit harder than it would be um, if let's say we trained after work in the evening and after that we could kind of just hang out we could go to bed we could sleep so basically we have 12 hours where we're just relaxing and our body can really prioritize recovery of our lower body so like what i would say is if you can if you can set this up to where you can train and then shortly after that like you don't have a lot of you don't have extreme level of activity that would probably be a little bit more ideal but on the flip side i would say for most people like if you have an extremely active job and then you're going to try to train after that and this is like where we have to look at the other side of the coin if you're going to try to train after that and you've let's say you've worked construction for 12 hours before this your training session is probably going to be pretty shitty and you might get a little bit better training, a lot better training quality and training stimulus if you had just trained in the morning. And honestly, in that case, I would say like the most optimal scenario there would be if we're trying to maximize recovery is I would still push a client in that case to like do whatever allows you to train the best, get the best quality training session. And then like through the rest of the day, let's just make sure you're prioritizing eating plenty of food, nutrient timing, things of that nature. But again, I would say that in most cases, the afternoon has a slight edge, but really for most people, this should be built around one, what's realistic for your lifestyle and your schedule Two, when are you able to get the best quality training session? in? And I really think that's what should dictate it. That's the direction I push most clients towards. All right, next question we have, why isn't creatine a weight bias recommendation, i.e. why five grams for everyone instead of one gram per 30 pounds of body weight or something like that? So this actually wasn't a question that I knew the answer to. I think most everyone has heard the general recommendation of three to five grams of creatine um, kind of just across the board. So if we actually dig into it, the recommendations for creatine are 
14 milligrams per pound of body weight. So for those of you that don't know, a thousand milligrams equal one gram. So the reality is, I think, the when we look at the research on creatine, it seems to be a pretty damn safe supplement. There's not really detriments for healthy individuals slightly overdoing it. So I think really more than anything like this three to five grams of creatine is kind of just a general guideline to make sure that most people, like without having to do a shit ton of math, it's an easy way to, okay, for smaller individuals, if you take three grams of creatine, you've hit your creatine needs and there's not gonna be really a detriment to going slightly over. For larger individuals, hey, let's push you closer to five grams. And again, you should be in a good place there. So really, as far as I can tell, it's primarily just to help people not to have to do nearly as much math. Well, we can still make sure we take that box. And again, it's hard to take it to the point where it's gonna be detrimental. Next up, how long should we be at maintenance and a surplus? All right, so this is very much an it depends question, and I'm not quite sure the context of her goals because very much it does depend on the client goals. So um, let's say that this is a client ending a fat loss phase. Now, for anyone that's lost more than 10% of their body weight, typically we're going to push clients in this situation to take at least a month, like at the very bare minimum, practicing maintenance, right? So, um, like one of my clients who just graduated our program, Cassidy, comes to mind. Like she lost over 90 pounds during her time working with us, crushed it, um, super consistent. She was working with me since January 2019. But um, in her case, over the course of those couple years of us working together, there were multiple times where we spent several months just at maintenance. So very much it was like, hey, okay, we've shipped away 30, 40 pounds. Now, first and foremost, a good amount of diet fatigue is setting in. You're, probably, you're sure you're getting pretty burnt out on dieting. Biofeedback is starting to deteriorate a bit. So, hey, let's bump calories back up to maintenance for a bit. Now, one, this is just because, again, there is still a long road ahead of us. Like in the case of her goals, hey, we do still have quite a ways to go. So this will make that seem more manageable because, again, that's kind of like, all right, you're going to walk across america right in one in just like one straight stretch so rather let's break this up into chunks secondly practicing maintenance is a very very important concept like most people have been able to lose a decent amount of body fat a, a couple times it's maintaining it where people always struggle so with clients especially with clients that have a considerable amount to lose practicing maintenance is something that we take very seriously and we always push you as a client to do like i made a post the other day about how the diet after the diet or maintenance like the maintenance phase after your diet is the most important time to be coached if you've never been able to get as lean as you want to in the past because again most everyone listening that listening to this like if you are not where you want to be physically or body fat wise i should say you've probably lost a decent amount of fat multiple times in the past. The struggle has been you haven't been able to keep it off, right? Um, so with understanding that, I, this is why most people need coach through the maintenance phase as well. Now, again, for an individual that's losing a larger amount, we really like to be proactive about that. So again, bringing it back to this client, Cassie, example, um, for her, it was very much like every eight months, we're gonna take a couple months at maintenance 
to just practice all these skills. What does your lifestyle look like? So again, like if you're not, if when we're not working together anymore, you see yourself going out twice per week, I want you to start doing that right now during this maintenance phase. So we can literally make sure, okay, you understand flexible dieting well enough to make that work within your macro ranges. You keep movement high. You understand food selection and how to keep choosing satiating foods. And I know that you're, again, like it's, you don't have to always be dieting, but this mostly like 80 to 90% whole foods then 10 to 20% flexible foods, that is a good rule of thumb because that means your diet is going to be composed of all these filling satiating foods that are going to make it harder to overeat. Because again, like if it's, if your quote unquote diet foods look dramatically different than your foods you start eating as soon as you're done with the diet and you're just switching right back to, okay, I'm eating almost exclusively hyper palatable foods then it's going to be very hard to keep the weight off. Not that those foods are bad. They're just more calorie dense and they're less filling. So they're easier to overeat. So again, like things like this, we want to practice with clients. So someone that's pushing to lose a lot of weight, really, we want to have spent by the time they leave our coaching service, we want them to have spent at least three months working through maintenance. But um, and really, I would say like per 10% of your body weight loss, if we want to get really complex with this, at least one to two months and really you just need time to kind of cement that as your body's new normal regardless which again is the beauty of a maintenance phase now from there many people will coach with us achieve the end result that i shouldn't say many because we do tend to attract people that are very goal driven and just like andrea and myself always need another goal to be pushing towards so some people when they're done working with us hey i feel great where i'm at i literally just want to maintain so in that case like you could spend the rest of your life at maintenance, right? Um, on the flip side, if it is, hey, my goal is to get more jacked, I would say if you're always pushing to, if you're someone that's constant, if you understand about yourself that you're constantly gonna be pushing to improve your physique, I would post diet at least take a week or two at maintenance. And really typically like clients in a building phase, we're almost always going to drop you to maintenance during your deload weeks. So every fifth to sixth week, um, simply because the amount of calories you need for recovery are lower during that time and the amount of calories you're burning during your training during that time are going to be lower as well. But past that point for someone that's constantly chasing just, okay, so like I'll use myself as an example of this. Okay. So I just got done with a 13 week week fat loss phase, spending about 10 days at maintenance here. And then I'm gonna transition right back into a building phase, right? Um, for me, and I'm very intentionally, just like all our more advanced clients who again are constantly ch chasing physique progression, I'm very intentionally going through these phases where, okay, I'm getting leaner. Now I'm gonna eat in a slight surplus and make sure I'm doing everything possible to maximize my lean muscle growth. And then I'll probably go through another fat loss phase just like this in probably eight months to a year, right? Now for an individual like that, where you are intentionally gaining I honestly think that spending time at maintenance is less important. We, we don't need like time at maintenance to balance out the fact that we are building. It's a little bit different than again, like, okay, we've lost a considerable amount of weight. Now we need to take time at maintenance to cement this as your body's new normal. Like in a situation like this, where again, like we're intentionally gaining weight, we may even have to push the client to gain weight. Maintenance becomes less important. And then it's really like, hey, let's take maintenance phases during our deloads. 
and post diet maybe we take a week or two of maintenance and really then past that it's more like a lifestyle scenario so think of like another one of my clients phil who just told me about his trip coming to sweden up upcoming trip to sweden um where okay for him we're gonna spend the next couple or we're gonna spend those few weeks hey you're just gonna eat at maintenance we know training volume is gonna be a little bit lower um, might even work in like an active recovery phase there so again we just need calories at maintenance so very much there it's like an it's more than anything something that centers around where your training is at. Whereas if you lost a considerable amount of weight, again, I would say per every 10% of your body weight that you lose, it's a good idea to spend one to two months at maintenance just to make sure you can truly maintain that. Now, when it comes to a building phase um, or a surplus, here, again, this is very much an it depends. So for a long time, it was thought that your P ratio, um, or there's this concept, concept of P ratio or partitioning ratio. Basically, the thought process behind this is below or above a certain body fat percentage, our body gains a disproportionate amount of fat from the calories we take in. So if we're too lean, and this, this part of the, this theory does hold up, if we are too lean, our body will really prioritize adding back fat because of a lot of the hormones we need for health actually come from our fat cells. So no matter what, if we're too lean, our body isn't gonna prioritize building muscle. Your body just wants to add back some fat so it can get back to a healthy place, right? So no matter what, like we're gonna add a little bit more fat there. Now on the flip side, this idea that passes the certain threshold of body fat, and typically was thought to be around 15 to 20% for men, um, 30 to 35%, Per, for women, your body would again gain disproportionately more fat than muscle from the calories we took in. That idea has somewhat been disproven. So what I would say here is, and I want to revisit that in a moment, but what I would say here is really like in a surplus or a building phase, there's not necessarily a time where like, hey, we should okay, you've been, you've been in a surplus for three months, we have to stop it here, right? Like some people spend three months in a surplus, some people spend almost a year in a surplus. Um, what I will say is in Brandon Cruz, Brandon DeCruz, excuse me, did an awesome job elaborating on this topic a little bit more in the conversation that we had a couple weeks ago. If, you haven't, if any of the listeners haven't checked out that episode, I highly recommend you listen to it. It's such a good episode. Um, but the thing to realize is for some for many individuals once we get past a certain body fat percentage really insulin sensitivity starts to get a little bit worse our aerobic capacity starts to get a little bit worse so you'll notice more than anything else like training quality in the gym starts to deteriorate your ability to recover starts to deteriorate a little bit because of this cascade of effects um so for most people, what I would say is in the gym, when you, like if you're in a building phase, in the gym, when you really start to see your pumps are deteriorating, your recovery isn't quite as good, your progression in the gym isn't quite as good, you'll also probably start to see, okay, I'm gaining fat just a little bit quicker, it seems, than I was before. Okay, that's probably the time to end the surplus and maybe you go through a mini cut, maybe you go through a longer fat loss phase. With clients, those are typically the things that we look for in that regard. All right, next question we have is, what is one thing you've changed your mind about since you started online coaching? Hmm, that is a good question. A lot of things come to mind. Um, I'm just gonna list off a couple actually. The first I would say is mobility. So, like most people, and mobility, I actually don't, 
I probably just unfollowed most mobility people um, on my IG, but definitely like when it comes to mobility, when I first got into the online space around like 2018, I know, and like I was working with clients in person as well, I was having them do a ton of mobility just as like quote unquote prehab work. So the, the thing here is like, my viewpoint on that has changed quite a bit. Now with clients, I like to keep mobility work to the absolute bare minimum needed. So the thing that we have to understand is when you look at, okay, what drives adaptation in your body? Well, it's a stress, right? So for example, if we look at hamstring flexibility, okay, when I do a heavy ass Romanian deadlift, my hamstrings are stretched under load. That is a significant stressor on my hamstrings. That is going to drive adaptation. My hamstrings are going to grow more muscular, but also the over time they're permanently going to get as long as I keep training. They're permanently going to get more and more flexible to an extent, right? Like we're not going to get to the point. Ideally, we're not going to the point where we're super, we're like hypermobile. But flexibility will improve there, and because it is accompanied by a significant stressor that's going to be cemented as a new adaptation in your body on the flip side if you think about doing that same movement but we don't have any load it's just like you're bending over to touch your toes that might short term like very short term okay you might quote unquote loosen up your hamstrings a little bit and you might be a little bit more flexible for a couple hours right but that's not a significant enough stressor to cement a new adaptation so the thing is with mobility, first and foremost, a lot of times these same concepts apply. Really for most clients, I have found that we get so much more out of, unless there is like a glaring issue where it's like, hey, you can't reach overhead and we need to actively approach this, we need to actively attack this. Most people will actually just get so much more out of, okay, let's train variations of squat, hinge, lunge, push, pull which are the movements you do in your everyday life through a full range of motion with excellent technique and form you can actually manage. And mobility will improve with that, right? Like if this is the case, then you are doing like pretty deep squats, um, lunges, you are probably working overhead, all these different things. And that in and of itself, we get stronger through those ranges of motion. I would say one of the the thing that's been the interesting thing here has been since we have started pushing clients we require most clients to shoot us form videos very very consistently right which is a change we made about a year and a half ago since we started doing that and we've honestly a lot of it has been like hey i want you to increase your range of motion here i want you to decrease the load since we've implemented that change and we've focused so much more on how people are executing these movements and again, making sure that they're using a load that they can control through the entire range of motion and then progressing that over time, there hasn't been a time where I've had to really push people to implement more mobility work. I think like all these aches and pains, now again, like we are kind of getting off track here. But I think a lot of people like when it's like, man, I have to do all this shit to like foam roll my hip and all this to get rid of the pain so I can squat. Um, I think a lot of times that's probably, okay, we could actually focus on cleaning up your technique, maybe smarter programming, smarter execution, maybe you need to drop the load 
and you would actually get more out of the squat and this wouldn't be something that's actively creating pain. Um, but that's kind of a different tangent. I would say that that's definitely um, one of the biggest things. And secondly, I would say, I know one thing I talked about a lot when I, again, first got in, was getting an online space was um, kind of lean gains, lean building, right? Like this idea that you can stay shredded and build a lot of muscle, which is definitely something I've gotten further and further away from. Now, some individuals can see a pretty dope body recomposition effect. Straight up a lot of people when they start coaching, you know, if they've been training for a considerable amount of time, will still see a body recomp. Because, well, you may have been training, you may have been pushing yourself hard at the gym, or maybe you know what you're doing with your nutrition. It's very rare that people have, okay, my training is absolutely dialed in. My nutrition, my nutrient timing is absolutely dialed in. Oh, and I'm absolutely on point with my recovery, my sleep, my stress management as well. When people start coaching, these are literally, like, that's literally our job is to take all of that and help you optimize it, right? So for most people, and you actually have someone else looking over your program, adjusting week to week, your volume, looking through your execution videos, helping you dial in your nutrient timing, looking at your recovery scores, your training performance daily. Most people have never taken that much time to optimize what they're doing. So thus, most people are capable of seeing a pretty impressive recomp during their first few months of coaching, building muscle, and oftentimes getting a decent amount leaner at the same time. Now that said, there is definitely a point where, okay, I've been doing things right for a considerable amount of time. Now, once we get to this stage, it is so easy to literally spend years trying to stay, because the thing we have to realize past this point is, if we are in a deficit, rate of muscle protein synthesis, which is the process of your body turning dietary protein to muscle protein, is going to be suppressed. It's going to be a little bit lower. Plus, we have less fuel, so it's harder for us to push our body as hard um, and, again, stimulate the adaptations we want to build muscle, right? So as a whole, if we're spending time in a deficit, it's going to be a lot harder to build muscle. Now, the mistake most people make is trying to stay so lean that even if it looks like you're at maintenance, oftentimes you're kind of tiptoeing this line between, okay, sometimes I'm at maintenance, maybe I'm dipping into a deficit two to three days, right? Because that that varies so much. Like if there's a couple days where you move a lot more, okay, now suddenly because I'm walking such a fine line, I'm, a, I'm in a deficit. And I found, I found this with myself when I tried to do this. Um, and for most people, people that try to take a lean gains approach <laughs> typically they've been, they've been a tr they've been trying to like get follow this lean gaze approach for years and have made very very little progress and again i know like i tried that for a year i made literally no progress and that was that the thing is again building muscle is a very slow process if we build two pounds of muscle in a month that is great progress on the flip side, we can lose fat very, very, very quickly. You can easily lose two pounds of fat in a week. Again, like over my 13-week fat loss phase, I lost two pounds of fat on average yeah, that entire every week of that 13 weeks, right? Um, so the thing to realize here is if it's dumb to waste months and months and months trying to build very slowly in order to stay lean, right? Because the reality is you're probably not gonna be building nearly as much muscle as you could be. Let's say that you could have added uh, a pound and a half of muscle in this month and instead you added a quarter pound, right? Like you're dragging this process out to long-term get to the physique you wanna be. For most people, it just makes more sense to go a little bit harder building. So basically being a little bit larger surplus 
push gain about 0.2 to 0.5 percent of your body weight per week and except for most of us that means we're going to be a little bit fluffier by the end of this building phase as well and that's okay because if during this process let's say that by the end of this you gained six pounds of muscle and let's say this was a let's say a six month process okay you gained let's say you gained six pounds of muscle and six pounds of fat over six months okay so we could literally in three to six weeks you could shed off all that fat three to six weeks of fat loss you could shed off all that fat and um by the end of it you would have six more pounds of muscle right and tops that took you like seven months on the flip side if you're just going so slow because you're trying to stay so lean and you're gaining like 0.25 pounds of muscle per month by the end of that you gained one and a half pounds of muscle and you're still the same level of leanness but again like the first version of that got you much further than the second did. So like just trying to lean gain, I think is immediately gratifying, but for most people, it just doesn't make sense. And it's a good way to waste a lot of time. And I love the way that Lindsay Parker described this on our, because this is a mistake women and men alike make very, very frequently. I love the way Lindsay Parker put this though. She said, basically, do you want to get there in eight months or do you want to get there in six years? Right? Like short term, it seems much more appealing to try to lean gain. But, like, really, you'll get there a lot quicker. You can be lean and way more jacked. Like, that long-term, the physique you want, you'll get there a lot quicker. If asked after this period where we are capable of recomping a bit, after that, you commit to either building or fat loss phases and don't try to kind of, like, take this lean approach. But I think I have beaten that horse to death. All right, and that is all I have for y'all for today. Now, before I let you guys go... I wanted to remind you of our online coaching service. We are almost seven, oh shit, we are seven months into this year. So my question for you is, what physique goals did you establish in January? How much progress have you made towards those? Now, if it's, shit, I'm literally in the exact same place as I was in January, realize that something has to change. You can't just keep doing the same thing over and over and expect to see different results. If that's you, hit the link in the show notes to apply for coaching with our team. What we do is we help individuals just like you. You're already crushing yourself in the gym. You're probably already eating clean most of the time, tracking your macros most of the time. We help you learn how to apply the science of training and nutrition, create a ton of structure, and basically, while educating you, also create a paint-by-number system so you know exactly the boxes you need to tick every day to get to where you want to be. So again, if you're sick of spinning your wheels, quit doing the same shit and expecting different results. Hit the link in the show notes. We'll hop on a discovery call and determine if you're a good fit to work with us. All right, and that is all I have for you guys. As always, thank you for tuning in.